I, I'm really excited to be with you this morning. I'm excited to, uh, to share this message with you. Um, we, we've been working through long-expected Jesus, and so um, I am just, I'm thrilled to be with you this morning. And, and before we jump into the message, I, I want to give you a couple updates. Um, first of all, I, I want to welcome somebody that, that doesn't get to be here um, very often, but we're excited to have Elaine Mahaffey. If you're new here, she's our former pastor's wife and my mother. And you always ask me what's going on with her, and I never know. So she's here. She can tell you. Um, don't bombard her, but, but, but welcome. Um, and then also kind of an exciting announcement. We, we introduced you to Nate here a few years ago. Nate, wave. Have you guys met Nate yet? Nate, our director of technical arts, he's here in the front. He's been walking around taking a lot of pictures. We're excited for that. But um, Friday night, the board met and interviewed a youth candidate for our senior high and young adult um, position that we have and um, have extended a call, and he is accepted. And so in about a month, you're going to meet a new um, candidate. I'm not going to tell you much about him yet, but we'll, we'll get to that in the days to come. I, um, he is letting people know today what's happening, and so I don't want to get that word out there too fast, but, but in a month, you'll have another person to meet, and, to, and we'll celebrate together in that. So, so I'm really excited. Did you guys have a good week? Most of you, some of you, I had a good week. I, I'm excited to be with you this morning. And so I just want to, I want to start by talking about a situation that, that many of us have experienced. I think I've talked about this before, but my freshman year of college, I got to transition into this. My freshman year of college, um, I had a group of friends. I, I went to Trevecca Nazarene University in Nashville, and, um, and that, that, the way it worked at Trevecca is you, you didn't live in just a room, you had a suite. And so you would walk in and there was kind of a little hallway and there were four rooms, three rooms for two people and then one single person room and then you all shared a bathroom. So you'd go down the hallway, you'd open the door and there's your suite. And so more than anything else, my freshman year, you spent most of your time with the guys in your suite. And so it, it was really cool. My, we're, we're getting into the freshman year, and we kind of had a system where we'd all go to our classes, we'd come back, we'd hang out, we'd be crazy, we'd have a lot of fun. Usually we'd sit down, there was a little entryway, not a very big one, we'd play games, we'd, you know, joke around with each other. And, and so I had this really good group of friends that I hung out with every night. And then something crazy happened. I met a girl. And all of a sudden, things changed a little bit. It's not Megan. Don't look at Megan, it's not her. I, you know, I married her. But all of a sudden, I, uh, I, I met this girl, and things changed, whereas usually it was every night we'd come back and we'd hang out and all this stuff. All of a sudden, my interests were a little bit elsewhere. And so I wasn't there as much in the evenings. And I remember it, it was, it, my, my life went from, you know, hanging out with these guys and spending all this time with these guys to all of a sudden, I was a little more preoccupied by a girl. Most of you have probably been here before. You've probably had that where, where, where you were dating someone or you found someone that you liked and all of a sudden it was just like everything revolved around them. 
your schedule, your plans, your thoughts, all of those things. And, and maybe some of you have been on the other side where you were the friends and then your friend all of a sudden disappeared because they met somebody. I'll, I'll never forget, I, I've seen this over and over and over again. This is a very typical thing. And, and it's like that first, that first time you, you really like someone or maybe fall in love with someone, it's like all of a sudden everything revolves around that person. You think about them constantly. Every decision you make filters through that person. You know their schedule. You know what they're doing. You know what they like. You know all those things. And, and so I'll never forget that. Well, today we're going to be talking about, and long expected Jesus, today we're talking about he is Lord. And so we're going to be talking about lordship. And listen, I'm not saying that that, that significant other or that person should be the Lord of your life, but I think that's kind of what we see in those relationships is sometimes we allow a significant other or someone that we fall in love with to kind of become Lord of our life. Everything revolves around that person. Well, last week we talked about that, that he is coming, and we talked about the fact that in this Advent season, we prepare our hearts for the king's coming. Every year at Christmas time, we celebrate that Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago. The king, the Messiah, came to earth. And then last week, we talked about the fact that not only did Jesus come 2,000 years ago, but the King, the Messiah, Jesus, is coming again. And so we talked a lot about anticipation and being ready for the King coming again. And so last week, a lot of our focus was on the King and what the King was doing. The King was coming. The King is coming. Well, this week, we're talking about He is Lord this week, I want to talk about what that means for us in our lives. And I just up front want to tell you, Advent is a season of preparation. It's a season of anticipation. It's a season of preparing our hearts for the coming King. And so I just want to start right here this morning by saying what we're talking about this morning is serious stuff. It's important stuff, and I just want you right now to clear out the distractions, clear out the things that you walked into the sanctuary this morning with, whether it was fighting with someone, whether it was just craziness in your house like it always is in my house, whether it's things that are coming up this week, whatever it is, I want you to clear that out because today, He is Lord and I want each and every one of us to really dig into the, to this idea that not only is he coming, not only did he come, not only is he coming again, but he is Lord. So we're going to be reading in, in Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8 today. And I'll just start, I'm going to read the whole thing, and, and then we'll work through it a, a bit by bit. But verse 1 starts like this. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. 
John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so we see in in Mark chapter 1, we see this good news that the king is coming. And then we see John the Baptist is coming to prepare the way for the Lord. And we see that John comes to the wilderness and all of these people, he's, he's preaching a message of you need to repent for your sins. You need to repent for your shortcomings. You need to come and be baptized. You need to be forgiven. And all of a sudden, all of these people from all around come to be baptized and to repent. And then John says, but it's not about me. I'm not even close to the one that is coming, the king, the Messiah that is coming. And so we see this this calling that he is Lord, and we see all of these people coming to submit themselves to the Lord. So let me just ask a simple question. When, when, When we say Lord, when we say Jesus is Lord, what does that mean to you? What does it mean to you that Jesus is Lord. Turn and share it with someone next to you. I want to keep you awake. So what does it mean to you that Jesus is Lord? Talk to someone next to you for just a second. What does it mean? What does Lord mean? It doesn't even have to be Jesus is Lord. What does it mean? What does the word Lord mean? Maybe it takes you back to like medieval lords, like Lord so-and-so or something like that. Maybe, maybe it's some sort of thing that pops in your mind. Maybe, maybe you think of what I was talking about earlier, of, of that person that maybe changed your life and all of a sudden kind of became over everything. When I think of lordship, when I think of Jesus as Lord, I think of something that has total control, something that everything in your life revolves around. And so today we talk about he is Lord, so let's look, let's just start breaking down the text here. In verse 1, it says, The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so Mark just starts out right here by saying, This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. I want to make this really clear to you this morning. What we're here to do today is to worship the Messiah, the Son of God. This isn't about just some good person that lived a long time ago. This isn't just about a good teacher or a prophet or something like that. We are here to worship the Messiah, the Son of God. This is different than just somebody that's impressed you in life. Jesus is Lord. When I say the, what do you think of? The Ohio State, right? As if there's other Ohio States. They are the Ohio State. That's, you've heard that, right? Any NFL player that, that goes on and that came from Ohio State, when they introduce themselves, they don't just say, I went to Ohio State. They say, I went to the Ohio State. Or, um, you know, Adam a couple weeks ago or a month or two ago said, I am the worship pastor and kind of emphasized the the a little bit, which was kind of weird and he didn't mean to, but it was funny. And, And so the is important here because Jesus is the 
Son of God, the Messiah. There is no one else. Today, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Lord. There's no one, nothing that can compete. Jesus is Lord. He's not just another good guy. Honestly, there's a lot of people that are walking around our world today that think that Jesus, that they don't have any problem with Jesus. I mean, seriously, if you ask the average person on the street what they think of Jesus, most people aren't going to have a negative reaction towards Jesus, but they're probably just going to say, Jesus, he's a good guy that lived a long time ago. He had some, he had some good thoughts. I mean, he was a good teacher. He was kind of like a, a guru. But Jesus is not just a good teacher. He's not just a good guy that lived long ago. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Sometimes I think we treat Jesus, like he was just a good guy or a good teacher. And, and, and maybe we think that like, well, yeah, I mean, Jesus could help me out. I mean, his teachings are pretty solid, so if I follow those, that'll help me out. And we look at Jesus, sometimes I think in our lives we treat Jesus more like a good guy that taught long ago than our Lord. Today, Jesus is Lord over everything. Moving on, in verse 3 it says that John the Baptist came to prepare the way for the Lord to make straight paths for him. So John was coming to prepare the way for the Messiah, for the Messiah, for the Son of God. John came to the wilderness. Now this is totally normal. Anytime a king or a monarch or a person of high authority goes somewhere or does something, typically people go and prepare the way. In fact, in this day, it was customary that if a monarch, if a king was going somewhere, they would send out a servant or somebody that would make sure that that way was smooth, that everything was going to go okay, that it was safe, that that trip, that that journey was going to work out well. I had a friend in South Carolina, and he was a Navy diver, and I, I never knew what Navy divers did. Like, what do you do if, you, if you're a Navy diver? What he did, and what his group did, is anytime the president would go somewhere, they would get called there, and they would have to dive on the bridges, and they would have to check around the bases of the bridges to make sure that nobody had put explosives or anything like that. Sometimes, if they were going to be on a ship, they would have to dive and check out the bottom side of the ship and make sure everything was safe. They had to go make sure that the king, that the, the, the high up person, the president, was going to be safe on the journey and that the journey was going to go as planned. And so we see that Jesus sent, that God sent John the Baptist to prepare the way. So in this season of anticipation and preparation, we understand that we are preparing our hearts for the coming of the king. The king is coming, and we've got to prepare our hearts. John was just simply coming to pave the way for the Messiah, the main event. He came to prepare people for the Lord. Verse 4 goes on and says, and so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. 
Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his, his waist, and he ate locusts with wild honey. So there's a couple things I want to point to in, in this little section. In verse 4, it says that John appeared in the wilderness. So I want you to get this picture. John the Baptist, the messenger for the king, the one that's coming to prepare the way, this is pretty descriptive. It says that he wore uh, clothing of camel's hair and he ate locusts and wild honey. Are you getting the picture that this guy, he, he's not some sharp, like, he, he's not your typical megachurch preacher that's wearing the blazer and the skinny jeans. Like, he, he's this wild guy. And he doesn't show up in the Starbucks or in the synagogue or in any of those places. He shows up in the wilderness. This is pretty significant. Both of those things are pretty significant. The fact that John showed up in the wilderness is important to this story because what does the wilderness represent to God's people? Well, if you think back, if you're not familiar, I'll catch you up. In, in, the, in the Exodus, in the book of Exodus, we see the story of God leading his people out of Egypt and leading them to the promised land. And when they get there, God wants to send them into the promised land, but they rebel. They don't have faith. They're scared. And so they say, no, we're not going. And what happens is they spend 40 years in the wilderness, struggling having to find their way. The wilderness is important here because the wilderness, what it's an example of is the fact that the people, that God's people have strayed, that they've rebelled, that they've missed it, that they've fallen short. And so the fact that John shows up in the wilderness is important. He didn't come to where they would be comfortable. He didn't come to where, every, like, where they would want him to come to. He showed up in the wilderness, in the very place that represented their fallen, their sin, their shortcomings, their need for repentance. And he shows up and he's this rough guy. He's not the kind of guy that if they passed him in the street, they'd, they'd want to hang out with him. He's a rough guy. He's not the high priest in the, in, the, in the robes and all that stuff. John shows up, a rough guy, and he says, you need to come and repent of your sins and be baptized. And so this is huge. What John is calling, what God is calling and through John the people to do is to admit that they had fallen short, to admit that at times Jesus wasn't the Lord, that God wasn't their Savior, and they had lived selfishly. They had lived to, to do what they wanted to do. And so just in the fact that John shows up in the wilderness, it shows you that they are called to something huge. In verse 5, it says that people from all over the countryside and from Jerusalem went out to them, and they confessed their sins, and they were baptized. This is huge. I'm convinced that too many of us are living a faith that doesn't involve lordship. I'm convinced that way too many people in today's world are living a faith in God that doesn't require lordship or doesn't involve lordship. Hey, it's just easy for us, isn't it? I got the opportunity to, to go to Peru, and in Peru, I know I've told these stories before, I'm sorry, but in Peru, we would stay in a village and people would travel for hours to come to church, to be able to be in that service. 
And we just have to put our nice clothes on and get in our nice car in the, in the heat of our car on these cold days. And we just have to drive down and here we are in this really comfortable, beautiful place. I'm convinced that sometimes this is convenient for us. I think there's a lot of people in our world that are, are living a, a faith that's convenient. It's easy. It's personally beneficial. I think of, uh, I had a couple young adults over not too long ago, and they were asking me what I thought of a certain church. It's not one around here, don't think that. They were asking me what I thought about this certain church and this certain leader of this church. And listen, I'm not in the business of throwing stones at things. I'm not. I think churches that are doing God's will are great. But if you ask me what I think about that church and a lot of churches these days is that some people are going because it's convenient and it's easy and they're missing the fact that Jesus is supposed to be Lord of their life. I'll be really honest with you. I think there's some of us here today, and I'm not thinking of specific people right now, but I know that in this room there's some of us that this is just easy. And Jesus maybe isn't really our Lord, but it's convenient and it's easy. That's not what John the Baptist came to show it. It wasn't about checking a box. It wasn't about going and, and getting responsibly raised coffee in the foyer and having a. It's not about being in this beautiful sanctuary. It's about the fact that Jesus is Lord. And John the Baptist came and called people into the wilderness, into the very place that would be a mark of shame on their lives by going out there. They would be reminded of their failures and their shortcomings. To come and repent and make Jesus the Lord of their life. I'm not suggesting that any church is bad. I'm just suggesting that our faith, if our faith is driven by convenience, if your faith is easy, you're missing it. Jesus may not be the Lord of your life. John called them to the wilderness. Moving on. Um, Moving on in verse 5, it says that people came from all around. They, they didn't just walk down the street. They didn't just walk into the synagogue. They didn't just put on, you know, they, they didn't just say they were Christians. They came from all around, from Jerusalem, from the Judean countryside. They came out to the wilderness to this guy that was rough, that was rugged, that wouldn't be socially acceptable. They came out and they repented and were baptized. They left their comfort and went to the wilderness. This was not an act of comfort. This was an act of lordship. They humbled themselves. They admitted they were flawed and they repented and were baptized. Lordship demands humility and sacrifice. Hear me again. Lordship demands humility and sacrifice because in order for Jesus to be our Lord, we can't be our Lord. In order for Jesus to be Lord, we have to submit our lives and all of the things in our life to Jesus. True Lordship will only happen in our lives when we submit the things that we love most and everything to God. I remember now I'll talk about Megan and I dating. Dating's a common thing here. Um, I remember when Megan and I were dating. I, I'm just going to be really honest with you. I don't. I don't love weddings. I like doing them. Don't let me. Don't let you. I mean, like I feel like a bad pastor because I don't like weddings. Like when I go to weddings, it's not my favorite thing. I don't like to dress up and sit through all the stuff and the receptions. It's just not my favorite thing. And so when I was dating Megan, 
um, there, there was a Saturday that there was a wedding for somebody that I didn't even know very well, and it was up in Mount Vernon, and it just happened to be the Saturday of the Red River Shootout, which is Texas, who was my favorite college football team, against Oklahoma. It was the biggest game of the year. And I can tell you that I, I did date other girls other than Megan in my life, and there weren't many of them that I would have sacrificed that Red River Shootout to go to that wedding. Absolutely, I probably wouldn't have sacrificed anything to go to that wedding. But because I loved Megan, because I wanted to submit, because I wanted her to know that I loved her, I was willing to give that time. I was willing to miss. I know, this sounds so dumb, doesn't it? But you guys, you guys know what I'm talking about because you guys have done it before. The Ohio State, you know, they play Michigan every year. Woo! But I, I was willing, because I really loved her, to miss that Texas-Oklahoma game. Listen, lordship requires sacrifice. And Megan's not my lord. Don't read that into that. <laughs> Maybe at the time. She might have been for a moment or two. But um, lordship requires humility and sacrifice. If Jesus is our lord, then it's not about what I want or what I'm comfortable with, or what I care about. It's about serving. It's about showing Jesus that we love him. And so moving on in verse 7, it says this. So John the Baptist comes. People come out and repent. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. That's pretty big. One is coming after me that I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is important. John comes, John shows up, this rugged guy in the wilderness, calls them out to this, this moment of repentance, this moment of humility and sacrifice, and people show up, and he baptizes them, and he says this, you haven't seen anything yet. Sometimes I think we see great things happen in churches and we think, woo, they're really doing it. I want you to know that like we talked about last week, the king is coming and what's happening here, what's happening at the biggest churches in the world is nothing compared to the king coming. The Messiah is coming and we see this moment where all this kind of a revival, these people are flocking to the wilderness to be baptized and what's John say? He says, one is coming after me that I, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. John points to the Messiah. I want you to know this morning that lordship is no small matter. Lordship is not just, as we talked about earlier, finding a better teacher or a better guide for your life. Jesus is the Lord, and there is no other. Not, not a pastor, not Billy Graham, not Andy Stanley, not Joel Osteen, not Bill Gates, not Donald Trump, not Steve Jobs, not any of the people that, that maybe we treat as lords. The only Lord is Jesus. Jesus is Lord. And, and here's what I want you to know about this last part. What the people came out to experience, this is important for us to understand, what the people came to the wilderness to experience, when they got in that moment of discomfort and that moment of admitting their failure and that moment of getting uncomfortable, I want you to know that that decision was not a mistake. I want you to know this morning that as we talk about Jesus being Lord and we talk about the sacrifice and the humility that that requires 
It's no mistake. Their decision to seek repentance and to to seek the Messiah was the right decision because as we've talked about, Jesus is the Lord. Nobody else can compare. Andy Stanley's great. I love Andy Stanley. Billy Graham's great. I love Billy Graham. They're not even worthy to untie the sandals of the king that is coming. Jesus is Lord, and so listen to me right now. The, the, the radical lordship that we're talking about today will take you out of your comfort zone. It will mean humility. It will mean sacrifice. It will mean making uncomfortable choices. But I want you to know this morning, it's all worth it. You'd be a fool not to let Jesus be Lord of your life because nobody else can give you the life that you were created to live. Jesus is Lord. In verse 8, it it says that John, uh, this is from a commentary, it says, John says that he baptizes with water. What John was doing was an external process that symbolized moral cleansing and a desire to break away from the sin that had separated people from God. The one that would follow him would baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John was pointing out that the Messiah's baptism would bring about real, lasting change. There's a difference between just saying, I'm messed up, I'm sorry, and really being changed into who God created you to be. And what John did was preparing the way for the Lord. He came and said that you need to repent, you need to be baptized, but one's coming later that will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and will transform your life radically from the inside. And so when, when, when John the Baptist comes, he's pointing to the Lord who will transform us. John was preparing the way, getting the people ready, but Jesus is the one that transforms our lives. Last week, we talked about the fact that Jesus is coming. Today, Jesus is Lord. And so today, as we wrap up, I want to call you to something pretty huge. You probably got out of bed this morning and you thought it's just another Sunday, but this is huge. Jesus is Lord And I want to call you to allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And so I want to ask you a really important question right now. Who or what is the Lord of your life? Is it the Ohio State football or is it it that, that significant other in your life that your whole life revolves around that person? Or is it is it your kids? Is it your family? Is it sports? What is it that is really Lord of your life. I want you to know today that Jesus is the only Lord of your life that can give you the life that you were created to live. All others, the Ohio State, isn't worthy to untie the sandals of the coming Messiah. Jesus is Lord. And so the band's going to come up and they're going to sing a song. But I want to call us to a response this morning. I want to call us to respond to this because I just have a hunch that maybe there are some in here that that they've never allowed Jesus to really be the Lord of their life, the one that everything is about Jesus. It's about worshiping, it's about serving, and it's not about watching the games I want to watch or doing what I need to do. It's about Jesus is Lord. And so maybe there's some of you here this morning that, that would say, Jesus hasn't yet been the Lord of my life. But I think there's probably a lot of us in here this morning that, that know that Jesus is Lord, but maybe 
other lords have crept in. We're in this Christmas season. It's a season of giving gifts and buying things, and there's Black Friday, and there's all these sales, and and it's an easy time for other things to show up as lords of our life. And maybe there's some of you in here this morning that you know that Jesus is Lord, but something else has crept up and has become more important or is dictating what you do and what you think about and who you are. Today, I want to call you to response. I want to call you to an altar. And I think this is totally appropriate because when we talk about John the Baptist coming to the wilderness, when we talk about the discomfort of having to go to the wilderness to repent and say, I'm flawed, that's what these altars are. This is an uncomfortable place because we think things like, well, if I go up there, what's, what are people going to think of me? If I go up there, that's admitting that I'm flawed, that I'm not perfect, that I don't have it all together. If I go up there, if I say Jesus is Lord, man, that's, that means i got to follow through and i got to make some tough decisions and i got to change some things. This morning, I want you to know that Jesus is Lord. Adrian Rogers, who is a Southern Baptist minister, said, You don't make him Lord. He's already Lord. You just recognize it. This morning, I want you to recognize that Jesus is Lord. And just like John the Baptist came and called people to repent and to prepare their hearts for the coming Messiah, I want to call you this morning that if Jesus isn't number one, the Lord of your life, maybe you've just, listen, maybe things have just gotten a little messed up and you've missed the mark. I want to call you to step into the wilderness, to come to Jesus and to prepare your hearts and pray, Lord, Jesus, be Lord of my life this morning. If that's you, I would invite you as we sing to come and pray and make Jesus Lord of your life today. Father, we love you. We thank you that you came. We thank you for this Christmas season. We thank you for all of the things that happened. But Father, I pray that nobody would walk out of here this morning without knowing that you are the Lord of their life. I pray that if there are some of us this morning that have just missed it, maybe we've gotten off track, maybe there's other things that have taken over lordship, I pray, Lord, that we would come, we would repent, and we would make allow you to be Lord of our life again. We love you, Jesus. We give you this time, we give you our hearts, we give you everything. In Jesus' name, amen.